Hi guys, this is Chris Heinington, and you are listening to Talking With TK. G'day guys, welcome to episode 161 of Talking With TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. I hope you're all staying safe out there, and hopefully all this uh, mess will be over soon, but uh, I'll try my best to continue to bring podcasts every single week. I've got a few more up the bag that I have recorded ahead of time, but I've been in touch with a few other of the players, especially over in the Super League, guys like Jimmy Maloney and also Blake Austin, so hopefully I'll be recording with those two guys remotely. I've got a program that can do it in pretty good quality too. So hopefully I'll continue to bring those episodes out to you. But uh, yeah, just everyone stay safe in the meantime. Today's guest is another one of the Tiger legends and also a Sharky legend. You know, he only played for a few years at Cronulla, but you know, someone we hold in high regard, and that's Chris Heinington. An absolute champion bloke as well. He's pretty much one of those glue players in the team, and you know, he really held the middle. I've watched a lot of his games out at the Shark Park and... I know a lot of the Tigers fans still hold him really highly, so really going to be—it's uh, really going to be great to get uh, Heiner on the show today. If you haven't yet, please catch up on the whole of season four. If you're still missing out on a few episodes, check it out at www.talkingwithtk.com or log on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am part of the Diamond Tina Podcast Network. Highly recommend you check out some of my stable mates, including the Batuta Advocate, Hello Sports, Dylan Friends, and also the Halfcast Podcast. Some great content going up from the guys and girls in our podcast network. Pick up my book, Talking With Champions. It's out now. Dimmicks, you can get that online or you can go in store. Booktopia, Angus and Robinson. It's 75 of my best interviews. Really chopped out into the five or six best bits that I found. It's perfect for a gift and it's not just for the boys the girls have been loving it as well. So definitely, if you can support the cause, that will help me to continue to you know, make the show bigger and better. All right, guys. I'm really excited for today's episode, and I introduce Chris Heinington. All right, guys. My special guest today is Chris Heinington. Chris is a former professional rugby league player with his distinguished career seeing him play 338 first-grade games, firstly for the West Tigers, the Cronulla Sharks, and then finishing with the Newcastle Knights. He won two premierships with the Tigers in 2005, the Sharkies in 2016. He actually represented England in seven games. While post-footy, he's a member of the ABC Grandstand, while he's also in the strength and conditioning industry, coaching professional athletes within his business, Chris Heinington Sports Performance. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, no. Hi, no. Welcome, mate. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure, mate. So, mate, we're looking, we're actually in your gym where you train a lot of Pro surfers and surfers are about to hit the world tour, but mate, this impressive. I'm just going to display the Chris is holding the 2016 trophy, and it's it's a, it's like nearly lifestyle, Chris. Like, does this just bring memories every day? Yeah, it does. Um, it's quite surreal looking over and seeing that picture. Um, as I'm training athletes in here, but um, I thought it'd be a good way of that's me living my dream, and you're in here to try and live yours. So just a bit of in- inspiration there, but. Um, yeah, I do get caught looking at the picture a fair bit while I'm training people. So um, it's one of their moments you probably dreamed about or probably beyond a dream, to be honest, to win a grand final. My dream was just to play an NRL game and ended up winning two grand finals. So um, it is possible for the athletes that come through here that they can follow their dream and, and um, you know, live their dream as well. Yeah, post footy's been pretty cool, mate. 
coaching athletes, getting to sit next to Ralph Tucker on the ABC crew. Mate, his life's pretty good. Yeah, it's um, unreal. I should have retired a few more years earlier. <laughs> uh, um, but I did have a good transition there where um, I studied as well. And, you know, in them first few years, if I got a career-ending injury, I probably, you know, wouldn't have anything behind me because yeah. I had a 16-year career. I, and what the NRL do, do do a really good job in, you know, you know helping you get educated for, um, you know, life after footy. You know, you've got to work for another 30 years. And Yeah, what did you study? I studied Cert 3 and 4 in fitness, then went level one and two in strength and conditioning. Did yeah, they're good too. I've done those two courses. Yeah. yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're really good and um, did a small business course as well. And so just I had good preparation going into retirement. Um, obviously, I started doing the surfers probably four years before I retired. I had Matt yep. Wilkinson and um, a mate of mine who was his surf coach asked, could I help him out? And um, I really enjoyed it. It was like... Um, you know, helping someone else go and chase their dream was pretty cool. So, yeah, here I am today, a year out of retirement and got my own little gym and got some good surfers, got some good young footy players. I do yep. footy clinics as well, mm-hmm. academy now. I've just started a six-week block with them. Is that you know, on the coast? On the coast, yeah. Yep. So I've got some good young kids and some kids who just want to better themselves as well and, you know, their parents want to get them out of the house and off the computer games. So I do that three day, three afternoons a week and, yeah, I do uh, ABC Grandstand with Ralph Tucker, the producer, who helps me out. <laughs> That's been fun. That's a good crew of people. And, mate, I've been um, hearing plenty of raps. Yeah. They've been no, loving your commentary, mate. No, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. They're going to get you and Dino on more, but yeah, because you guys I've work been, separate days, right? Yeah, yeah. Dino's a legend. He's helped me as well. He's um, working with the NRL, and uh, he's um, always trying to get me in and get me some gigs there with the NRL. And He's a great mate of mine, obviously, I was – Involved with the team in 2005. We come through in 2003 at the West Tigers together. So yep. he's one of them lifetime friends. And, you know, there's Andrew Moore and Luke Lewis on there as well. So there's a good bunch of people. There's a lot of banner and um, hopefully I can get a few few more gigs this year. Yeah, just, you know, with the way players are portrayed in the media and things like that, did you ever think that you would join the media yourself? Well, it's funny. I don't feel like um, like a reporter or anything like that where I've got to ask harsh questions. Um, yeah. You know, it's after a game trying to get that moment where uh, players obviously won or lost, trying to get his emotions out to the listeners, mm. um, which is quite unreal. I've got, you know, um, I really enjoy it. But I remember one time um, Craig Bellamy dropped Will Chambers. Yep. And I asked um, Craig Bellamy, it was like a phone call, like interview, and I said, was it performance-based, um, you making that decision and bringing in Curtis Scott and – there was a bit of a pause and I was a bit bit scared at the time because, you know, he's obviously a great coach and done so much in the game. But no one asked that at the media um, thing after the game. So, and Andrew Moore's, oh, well, you know, you got a bit of a scoop there that it was performance-based. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to ask and, you know, they can answer it the way they want. You know, they can play a straight back or hit it for six and, you know, give you some good feedback. So I really enjoyed just... Yeah, I don't feel like I'm a journo, but I feel like I'm in the media, which is all good. Mm. Has it made it easier? Because, you know, a lot of players struggle because they get taken away from their mates, away from the system. But because all the players loved you and, like, kind of you can retain their friendships because every second Sunday you might still see them and get to yeah, say good day, you sure. know? you know, um, after the game, we all – it's been a bit – um, spring pretty funny. Like James Maloney just took the piss out of me the whole time when I tried to interview him. He pulled out the mic and I was off air. And so you get a fair bit of that banner as well, which is fun. But 
you know, there's no probably no better job than sitting on the sideline watching two teams go at it while, you know, you call the game. Yeah, definitely. All right, Chris, for someone that's known for coming from the Umina area, the actual journey actually started in Campbelltown. Tell me a little bit about coming from originally Campbelltown, man. Yeah, I grew up in Campbelltown. I, I moved to Umina when I was about eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember living near Claymore there. I mean, two brothers played soccer there. Um, Who did you go for as a kid? Oh, I remember going to the Bowmain versus West game. Oh, so you're kind of lining this yeah, whole thing up crazy. yourself, mate. It's so crazy. And um, sitting there with my dad and my two older brothers, and they sort of high five. And I sort of went for the Magpies, but and and the Tigers later on when I moved to the Central Coast. I don't know why, but yeah, it all seemed to happen. And then obviously sign them with the West Tigers. But yeah, I moved to your minor when I was eight, and that's when I started playing footy for the minor bunnies and went to your minor primary and. Got some lifetime friends out of playing footy. Um, I played in the same sort of, in the minor bunnies till I was 16, then played a bit of seniors there. And, mm. you know, now I'm 38 years old and there's probably three or four guys I played in that team when I was nine, still my best mates and we still catch up now. So that's probably the best thing about footy is you get lifetime friends out of it. Yeah. Um, even though I went on my own journey and they've gone on their own journey, but we st- seem to reconnect and still catch up today. Yeah, Hino, what's this I hear about you being a 5'8 fullback, goal-kicking star back in the Bunnies days, mate? What, <laughs> tell me about that, bud. Well, I don't know. I was a smaller, sort of smallish kid. Um, I didn't go into the forwards until 2002. Um, I was always a 5'8 centre, but I was sort of coming through the system. I, I As a kid, I, I played in a lot of positions fullback. Um, I was goal kicker, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I think a lot of, a lot of the NRL players today start off playing in the backs. Yeah. And then they, you know, obviously get bigger, stronger, faster, and they might move into the forwards, but most, you know, I reckon most NRL players would have started at five, eight, half, fullback. Yeah. So, mate, the goal kicking, like, describe your style. (laughs) (laughs) I remember going, put the ball down and go, I was a bit different. I'd go, Lateral first, so I'd go three steps lateral, then go five steps back, and then just have a go. But um, would you challenge? Like you know, when like obviously when you're coming through Tigers, Benji and all them were kicking Sharkies. Yeah, James Maloney and Val. Would you practice with them? Oh, a little bit, but not a great. Just thing. in case, mate. Yeah, everyone might fall over. Tim Shane's in about. I think it was 2005. I just said, oh, Tim, you know, I can, I can kick goals. And he sort of just laughed. And <laughs> I think he thought I wasn't serious. So I just left it. But, um, yeah, I used to kick goals as a junior. But, um, yeah, as a senior player, I sort of, as I went into the senior grades, I stopped goal kicking. Okay. Before we get into the footy, who taught you to surf, mate? Well, I grew up, you mine, obviously close to a beach and on the central coast. And I used to bodyboard. Okay. I started bodyboarding. went really good. Got in the, um, got second in the state, fourth in the national yeah. bodyboard. There you go. But I, honestly, I wish I surfed from a young age. Like I started bodyboarding when I was about eight, nine, as soon as I moved to your minor. But yeah. I wish I stayed on a surfboard. But Was that a fear thing at the start? or? Well, all my mates were bodyboarding. It was so popular back then. So, okay. Um, oh, that was back in the, the 90s, early yeah, 90s. Early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now I'm surfing, but I'm getting better. But yeah, so one of my best mates, Glenn Hall, He's uh he coaches he was on the world he tour. Played for Manly, yeah. No, nah, nah, different Glen Hall. Different Glen Hall. This is a okay. Micro this is a surf, surfer one. Surfer he's only two foot tall. <laughs> um, now he coaches uh, the Owen Wrights. The like. Um, oh, does he really? Yeah. Wow. So he's he's going really well at that. Um, yeah, Connor Coffin and all that. So Ace Buck and. Um, do you guys do like Tyler boys Wright. trips like 
overseas in that? With yes, surfing? I've gone on a few as one of their trainers and it's been awesome. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. I went to Hawaii and stayed in the Rip Curl House. Wow. It was amazing looking over. How did they get organised? Yeah. It's, um, Just insider? Is yeah, that what you they mean? they go or? over six, six to eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and then they don't surf in the actual pipe comp. And to the back end, like the last two weeks, so I was just making sure they were on the program okay. for a month before they surfed in that. You know, yeah. Because it's a place where there's not many gyms and stuff around, so we're doing a lot of beach work. And, yeah, it was just one of them perks you get with um, helping out athletes in the strength and conditioning world. What's the actual Rip Curl house like? Well, you can just a big double story. Yeah. In the front yard sand, looking at pipeline or looking at back doors, so the right end are coming. So... If I walked out onto the balcony, you'd be watching surfers wow. surf pipeline. Yeah. So I think they get it for eight weeks of the year around yeah. when the contest is on in December, I think. So. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, this goal-kicking 5'8 wizard, he gets picked up by the North Sydney Bears because they're obviously moving towards the coast. So who, who scouted you? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I was just um, – it was I was playing sort of Central Coast reps and – I remember having a year off when I was about 15, 16. I wasn't feeling it. And then I come back and I, you know, I just got a heap of energy and I don't know, I just got this burning sensation to work hard and mm. um, have a crack at it. And, you Did know, you man, miss it in that year off? Yeah, I just went and hung out with mates and surfed. And, yeah. And one of them, like I said earlier, one of them lifetime friends who I started playing with when I was nine, yep. his name's Rob, still catch up with him today. He was turning up to my house with his dad because we obviously didn't have his license, beeping the horn saying, come on, come on, let's go, let's go to training. I kept brushing and brushing it and then one time I said, all right, let's – right, I had a year off and then he turned up again and goes, come on, let's do this. So um, hopped in the car and started again and and just, yeah, got got right into it and, yeah, I was ready to get back into it again. Yeah, so what did you play at the Bears, Merrill Mats and SG Ball? Yeah, SG Ball. And then there was a bit of first division I played as well, which is sort of like a reserve grade. Cause, so you're, you're playing as a kid against all these these older yeah. boys. Yeah, and then I remember doing a bit of that. We, we weren't great, obviously, you know, a bit undersized, all the Sydney kids. We didn't have the same facilities. We didn't have the same gym programs, what Sydney people are getting. Yeah. Um, so we did it pretty tough there for a few years. And I remember it was... We're at Belmore. I think we we're playing at Belmore. It might have been the showground against the Bulldogs, and had a pretty good game. And Tim Sheens pulled me aside and said, "What about coming to the West Tigers? Was, sounds great." That was the that was the season two thousand and two, and he he was signed to be the coach in two thousand and three at the West Tigers. Yep. Um, caught up with him. Signed signed a five thousand dollar contract. Huge. Huge money. Mate. Kids today are complaining about the minimum wage being 90 grand. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, he wanted me to train full-time and five grand training full-time, it's a pretty hard thing to do. But I had a bit of money saved. And I remember asking my dad, what do you reckon, Dad? And he goes, oh, you know, you never get this opportunity again. You got a bit of money saved. Why don't you, you know, have a go at it? So I was travelling here from the Central Coast to Concord Oval every day. Wow, 90 minutes each way, mate. Yeah. Um, I remember, so I had a bit of preparation leading in, so, you know, I was obviously, knew I was going there, knew I was training full-time. Yeah. So I had probably 10 weeks. So I'd train my ass off to be ready to train full-time squad. And I remember doing the beep test and everyone stopped and I wasn't even tired and just kept going and going and going. So you were a machine in the, in the cardio then? Yeah, I, I just 
I don't know, like I was just ready, like I was ready to go. Um, end up winning the beep test and, yeah. Shoot. Was that the old school beep test? Yeah, I think it was. What yeah. could you hit back then? I don't know, but I remember getting to 13 and everyone dropping out. Just piking off. That's fast, but that starts getting real fast. Yeah, then it gets fast and I just kept going. And then, um, yeah, so at the time I was, I think in saying full time, it was four days a week, then you'd have the Wednesday off. So I'd still go to TAFE doing my building. On the Wednesday, um, trained really hard and ended up debuting round one, 2003. That was a double header, right? Double header, yeah. So it was what, a capacity crowd nearly. Yeah, and I, I wasn't ready. I, I haven't even realised, I was probably freaking 89 kilos. Yeah. Um, what were you playing, like edge at the time, were you? No, he put me in the middle. He goes, he goes you make 20 tackles in 20 minutes and I'll get you off. Yeah. I only touched the ball once in the day. <laughs> it been stuffed. Yeah. But um, no, it was good. Like, um, it happened so quickly. I'd, you know, I was probably, it's probably two, two years earlier, I reckon, to make yeah. my debut. But I played seven games, I think, that year. And then played 10, 2004. So, and then I went into the sort of full time, 2005. But he did drop me in 2005. I do remember, um, well, it's funny because I, I told a few young kids this about, been resilient. Um, Sheenzy picked me to play. Mm. I was on my way to Parramatta Stadium. I think it was a Saturday afternoon for a 5.30 kickoff. Yep. Got a phone call, so you had to probably get there two hours before, so 3.30. Called me about 3 o'clock. He goes, oh, I know I've never felt this bad, but, um, mate, you're not playing here tonight. You're at Henson Park, and the kickoff's at 3.30. You're playing reserve grade. Yeah. Pretty harsh. So got there back, played the second half. Yeah. Against Newtown. You know, I could have freaking any young kid today would have called his manager, wanted Gone. to leave. Yeah. And I, you know, I was obviously disappointed at the time. Played okay. Um, went back in the train, he picked me the next week. You know, then I never got dropped, you know, for 15, what was it, 11 years at the West Tigers. So, but when we ended up winning the grand final that year, you know, but if I called me manager and said I wanted out or whatever, or. Do you think he was testing you? I think it was a test, yeah. Yeah, to see how your reaction yeah. was. So, yeah. so your character pretty much. Yeah, that's right. Because you were still being young, like he's, he doesn't, yeah, still doesn't know too much about you, really. Two years old, yeah. Never forget the day. And, you know, I've just made sure I tell a few kids, like, coming through the system that you've got to have resilience. I mean, this isn't easy. This is a hard game. Right? Mm. It was easy. Everyone was doing it. It's like a contact sport, like, probably the hardest sport in the world, mate. So you've got to have resilience, and that was probably a test. And, you know, I think back today, imagine if I kicked up a stinker, probably wouldn't have been in that grand final team. Mate, you might not have played NRL again. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. might have been playing back in yeah. the bush footy. Yeah, that's right, because I definitely didn't do greatly in 2003 and 2004. Yeah. Yeah, so it sort of took a few years to get going. But, yeah, that was a, that was one of their moments where I, th- I was pretty lucky that I stayed resilient. Yeah. How heavy were you in 2005, that two years on? I reckon about 95 kilos. So you put on about six kilos. Did you put yeah. on weight easy? Not really, but it was like, I had to work hard in the gym. Yeah. Because yeah. what are you, about six foot? Yeah, six one, six, yeah, six foot, six one. Yeah. yeah. So even now, mate, you're trying to get under that 100 kilos? Yeah, I've been working really hard. So I haven't been under that since. It's, yeah. also, it's us old blokes, mate. We just, you know, the testosterone's a little bit different. Yeah. Training's a little bit different. Yeah, but it's still got to sort of set little challenges and little goals to keep going you know so um 
Yeah, but it is hard as you get older to lose the weight for sure. Yeah, mate, I had Paddy Richards in actually on Tuesday. Yeah, okay. And he was chatting about obviously the 2005 season and obviously that speech by Ben, Ben Galea halfway through the year about yeah. Sheensy challenging you guys yeah. to make the top four. And then obviously Ben wanted you to actually make the top four. Yeah. So he spoke out. Yeah, was that for I, you the turning point? I remember that so clear. I was a shy sort of kid. And I, I remember it so clear. It was probably eight games in. We're going like busters. I think, well, two from six or something, something like that. And then, yeah, and then we had like it was almost a crisis meeting. And then Benny stepped up and said that. And then we just, we knew we had a, like, we had a good mix of senior players like Benny, um, Buckets, you know, Scando, all them sort mm. of guys, Hodjo. Um, and we had some really good young kids like Gibbs, Fultz, Farah, Benji, you know, so it was a good mix, but just weren't gelling quite, quite so early in the year, but then something happened and Benny said that. And then I think we were on an eight game winning streak. Mm. Lost two, um, two of the last of the comp games. And then we just found it in the final. I think we played the Cowboys and beat them by 50. That first final, that yeah. First final. Um, Everyone was just everyone played at a nine or nine out of ten through the final series, you know. Like that's what it takes, I reckon, to win grand finals is you can't have a guy playing a six out of ten. No. Or you don't win. But yeah, we um I don't know what happened that, but we set it up that, that night and then I think it was Brisbane. Brisbane had a good team as well, the SSS S I think it was the cricket ground. No. No, I think it was SFS, was it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um on the Sunday Arvo and we got a good win against them. But then the the Dragons was the game for me. Yeah. They had a great team. Um, Dino had a cracker. Two tries for Dino. Dino. He had the best final series of all time, I reckon. He was unbelievable. Yeah, just because he didn't play lock the entire year. No, best lock in the world he was. He was always um, – he would have a run and then Farrell would run off it. Like after – because he always yeah. had the quick play the ball and then would just all push through the ruck. But the amount of passing and that we used to do a training, like the basics of the game – and then, you know, under fatigue, you know, obviously the basics become harder, but mm. we trained that every single one of us could pass the ball. And Chinsy was an awesome, the smartest coach ever. And, he, and bring on Roycey Simmons as well as a defensive coach, and he was sort of yep. a man manager, you know. Um, he wouldn't have been doing much defence, was he? Well, <laughs> the way you guys attacked. Mate, in an hour and a half session, yeah. I reckon it was 15 minutes of defence. <laughs> you guys didn't, didn't need D. It didn't, like, it didn't he didn't change. He didn't like it. He just liked attack, attack, attack. Yeah. He's like, come on, man. There's still a bit of defense here, but um, we had that good of it. But it was before surrender dominant tackles come in. Yeah. I think they come in the following year. Oh, you guys would have got murdered with wrestling. Yeah. So that's why we went no good. It was, yeah. It was, we'll just play on down, quick play the ball, get speed to play the ball for Princey, Hodjo, and Benji and Robbie. Especially with a smaller team yeah, as well. Team and then, yeah. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a good style of footy back then. We could just. Get down and play it. Find ways to get to, mm. get get down. But yeah, then following year they brought in surrender and dominant and all this sort of stuff. So and then we went backwards for a few years. Yeah, I know that extras board that you guys put up that season, where everyone added to that board. What was the kind of thing that you kind of liked to add there? It was, it was more like goal kicking. Just no, probably just one percenters. You know, I, I trying to come up with them little plays what the spectator might not see or. You know, the, you know, someone watching it on TV, but your teammates will appreciate it and you'll see mm. it in video as a one percenter. Um, and that's what the team was built on, you know. So, yeah, it was probably something like that. Yeah. That first, that first grand final, that, that grand final week as a, 
pretty much still, you know, you're only, what, 21, 22 years old. How'd you approach that first week just being a youngster? I remember Sheensy got all the young guys in and um, it might sound a bit weird but and a bit simple at the time, but he said if you start thinking about it when you're at home, like if you're cooking dinner, just stop and go and do something else or, you know, re-trigger your brain just to go and do something else and I just live by that. Yep. And then the grand final obviously come and then I just exploded in the aftermatch speech or just – F and this, F and that. But Pat Richards reckons there was like three or four of you that actually yeah, did it. Was, but obviously, you were the main culprit. I got the blame, yeah. I got, they changed the rules, didn't they? The CEO goes, mate, you've got to go do a media course. I said, mate, how am I ever going to feel like that again? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, when you think about it, if we went to the pub now and had a few beers, yeah. we'd probably drop a couple of F-bombs. Yeah, that's right. And but you were 22 at the time, mate. Yeah. It was, a, it was a bit of a learning curve for me, but it was beyond a dream, like, you know, and it was sort of Matty Johns, like I felt like he was one of the boys, one of my mates, and then he goes, how do you feel? Like not probably the ideal question to say. <laughs> in the grand final and I just I remember that I just got my grand final ring and it just saw, yeah, it just sort of exploded. But, yeah, definitely. Um, but it would have been the flip side, mate. In 2016, being the clubman that you are, you would have been the least likely to actually swear after yeah. the grand final. Yeah, well, um, I remember. And then it was Brad Fitley who interviewed him and goes, hey, no swearing, no swearing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but honestly, I, I felt like swearing. I was, it was just as good. It was like, I didn't know how the winning a second comp would feel, but it's just as mad. It's crazy. And I imagine what you put it on the wall, yeah, mate. So it has yeah. to. Um, yeah, but that, I've only ever got that feeling twice and I don't think I'll ever get it again. So I'm just really, really happy that. I got to feel that feeling twice. Yeah. Now, because what's this I hear about you being a bit of a lightweight on grand final night, mate? And they yeah, put you to bed. Fight. They put you to bed at 10 o'clock or something. Oh, mate, they were all, um, well, I'm not much of a seafood sort of guy. And after the game, it was all seafood. And so I didn't eat. I just remember having a red Powerade and then getting on the beers. And, like, I remember coming back to Bow Main Leagues and all my family, my dad and that were there. And I reckon by midnight I was... I was out of it. <laughs> Where did you stay that night? I stayed in my unit. Um, my dad ended up taking me back. But I remember going in an office and spewing in someone's office. And then... <laughs> Do they know it was you? Someone, someone, <laughs> someone, goes, um, someone goes, oh, can I... I was sitting down just trying to get some water down. Someone asked, like a fan asked for my signature, and ended up spewing a little bit on the shoes. Like, oh, wow. And my dad goes, all right, it's time to go. And we... They probably love it. They probably haven't washed it yeah, to this day, got, mate. Um, Chris Heinington's vomit. Got a taxi, but I wasn't feeling good the next day. Very bad hangover. We had to go out to Campbelltown, do a parade out there, but I didn't make it out. I just stayed in the um, in the dressing rooms on a massage bed with a hole in it, a <laughs> bucket at the bottom just spewed into that. But um, what, what other teammates were lightweights? Were you the only one? I was probably the only one. But then the doc come and helped me out for drip and – with a trip. Yeah, and then I was flying. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, killed the hangover, that's for sure. Wow. Mate, it was still like you you had a great time at the Tigers when you consider yeah. you were a 200-man, 200-game yeah. man at yeah. that Tigers. Did it kill you? Obviously, your salary cap was a huge reason why you had to leave. But how did it actually all transcribe? And then what were your options? Yeah, it, was, it happened really quick. Um I invested everything into that into the West Tigers and still love the club. But um, so it was eleven years. And then I just remember my manager going, "Oh, um, I think it's time you you move on." You know, um, I think 
what it was was everyone's contract was back ended. Mm. When I say back ended, not so good money, okay money, really good money, yeah. excellent money. Well, that's the only way they're going to fit you all yeah, at the start. So on the fourth year, there's a heap of us on awesome money. Yep. Um, so it doesn't. It's not a good business model, obviously. But um, so we had to move a few on, and I was obviously one of them. And I had a few options, but it happened really quickly. It felt like I, I moved the Granola Sharks overnight. Mm. Um, well, it became the Tiger Sharks because yeah, Fafita there, yeah. Bowie Ryan, yourself. Yeah. Um, and it took me a year, I reckon, to fully come to terms with it. Um, I was playing off the bench where it was coming from the Tigers where I was playing a lot more minutes at lock. and mm. Yeah, just wasn't feeling it for the first year, but then come to terms with it and um, had a few, well, five or six good years there at Cronulla. Met some real good people as well. So, um, and obviously, 2016 was a crazy highlight as well. Yeah, mate. How tough is it? Because you know your second season is the whole Asada thing. Obviously, you've done nothing wrong. All the new players have done nothing wrong. Yet you're penalised in some way as well. You lose your coach, you know Shane Flanagan and things like that. How does it? How does it feel when you've done nothing wrong, but it, you are impacted by other people's decisions? I remember turning up. So it was 2012. Put me. Putting me bag on me like looking around. This is a good squad. This is a really good squad. Mm. Um, and then that Asada thing hit and it was just crazy. Um, seen the worst in people. Um, the club just got pulled apart, really. Um, I really felt for the players who were involved because their welfare was at an all time low, you know. So, mm. um, it was a tough time and, it felt like sort of like the, the new signings over here than the guys who were back there in 2011 over here. So it was a really tough time and, yeah, just their welfare at the time wasn't, you know, it's just, I don't know, it was just, yeah, it wasn't a cool thing to be, to see and be a part of and I felt real bad for him as well because, you know, a few of them wore the brunt of it. Yeah, it was actually funny, like the other day I auctioned off because I had the jersey, a jersey from 2014 fully signed from your team from that. So I've, I've auctioned it off obviously for the for the fire, fiery yeah. stuff going on at the moment. But just looking at this jersey, like it does have a lot of history and I feel it's the it was kind of the making of the club because within two years we were in a premiership. The, the following year kind of unearthed a couple of really big stars in, in Jack Bird and then obviously Valentine Holmes as well. How did you feel, at what stage did you feel that you guys could be a force again? Yeah, probably seeing, I think Jack Bird signed from Dragons and didn't mm. play much first grade. He had big raps on him, but then just the, the way he carried himself around training, he looked like he was going to be something special. And he had some really good years. And then Val Holmes, even when he played in that nine storm, kicking a field goal from the side. From the side, I remember, yeah. Like, just stuff like that. And they were just, they were freaks. Um, they were just, no fear, those boys, didn't they? Getting Benny Barber, fully fit, rare. And, um, the, you know, him out the back of Chad Townsend and, and Jimmy Maloney. Mm. And then you bring in Jimmy Maloney, who's just a character and <laughs> something about him. What I remember, well, so 2016, I think we had a 15 game winning streak. Yeah. Probably six games in. He wouldn't, he's not a massive guy in the gym, like doesn't want to lift much weights and that. But I remember him mucking around, he goes, all right, boys, let's do some trophy this, he called him, so like a curl and press. <laughs> Like you're picking up the premiership. Yeah, team. yeah. We all started doing it and then sort of sort of become a running joke that we do the curl and press, like the trophy list for when we win the comp. And 
We ended up winning, which is Thank crazy. God, because you look great in that yeah, photo, yeah, mate. The, you got the biceps happening too, mate. I was ready for that, but he's a big reason, Jimmy Mullane. I remember, I think uh, he was on track to get the most penalties against him of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember having a nine o'clock meeting, and so the idea was if you're on time, you're late. So if you're there at nine o'clock, you're late. Yep. Jimmy Mullane, sped in. It about one minute to nine. He's got Macca's pancake. Like, so he had a big Macca's bag. So but it looked like he had a heap of food, but it was just pancakes. It was in a massive bag. <laughs> and he sit there and he starts eating it. And then Flano's fucking getting mad. He goes, Jimmy, Jimmy, do you know you're almost giving away the most penalties of all time? He goes, you're going to, he goes, you're going to break a record. He goes, well, fuck, at least I'm breaking records. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone started laughing. And then Flano left for about five, ten minutes and come back. He just couldn't handle it. But, mate, just stuff like that brought us together, you know, um, and then this Gow has been a rock solid, you know, he works that hard on the field and around the club. So it was just a good mixture of players. Like. Yeah. Out of all your teammates, was Gow the guy that you felt deserved that premiership the most? Yeah. Well, he doesn't show a heap of emotion. Yeah. He, like, to the pub, like to the public, all his teammates, you know. it's. Um, but then seeing him picking up the trophy was phenomenal. It was like a crazy happy moment. Like, there it is. That's that's what he, he needed, you know. Yeah. Um, He's been a crazy good player for a lot of years and obviously now boxing good as well. So, yeah, and, and just how hard he works. Wade Graham was way above his his age, you know. He was like a – he's born to be a leader. So, yeah. yeah, the Sharks are in good hands. Yeah, you just mentioned Shane Flanagan. Compared to, you know, the big rap that you put on Tim, you know, both premiership coaches, what was the difference in kind of the styles between the two gentlemen? Sheen's is more um, attack, like game plan. Mm. Um We'll beat them for our skill, um, our skill for our attack and speed. And then Flano was more, um, for an example, Flano maybe like so, if someone doesn't have a go, he'll show you in review. Yeah, yeah. Say, so I don't have a go, I'll miss a few tackles. Um, I won't put my shoulder in, he'll press play, let the whole team watch. Ten seconds, watch it again. So he'll sort of bring it up in review. So you demanded sort of a toughness. Yeah, so an accountability sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. you felt like going into a game, if you didn't show toughness, you'll be accountable come review. So he built this sort of toughness within the whole team. Didn't matter who you were, you'd show whoever it was. Um, so Sheenzy was more skillful, you know, fast, flat and fast game. Then Flano was a more tough, um, grindy sort of game there. Yeah, Chris. That that, yeah, absolutely, Chris. Those last kind of four or five games when you guys were kind of losing games and you were flat towards the, the back end of that season, were you, were you concerned at all going nah, into finals? No, nah. I knew we were all just waiting. Yeah, we knew there was, was going to be a big four or months coming up. We did it back in two thousand five. We dropped that two two games, and we're playing like busted then as well. Um, but I felt like, well, then we had to go to Canberra. A different story. Full house in Canberra, Canberra mm. on fire. We lose Gow to a back injury. I was his weights partner. Yeah, Wade gets knocked out. Wade gets knocked out. So leading into that game, Gow doesn't know in the gym seventy percent, eighty five percent, whatever. It's always a hundred percent with Gow. Yeah, yeah. So I was his weights partner and comes up on the big screen. So we're lifting seventy five percent of our one RM, for an example. So your light and your weight rider yeah, yeah. tells you what you actually lift. Yeah, it goes, no, I'm feeling good. Puts an extra 20 on. Oof, back. Back. Far out. Here we go. This is going to be hard now. Um, but everyone stepped up. But a 12-0 down. 
Yeah. Like even the amount of experience you've yeah. got, you must be a little bit worried at this, po- this point. Yeah, I was nervous actually. I um, cop it there at Canberra and sideline, people are right on you and they're always into you on the bench. So I knew I was going to have to play a lot more minutes. Um, I got concussed the week before really bad against Melbourne in Melbourne. Yeah. So I had to wear a headgear and so I was a bit nervous about all that concussion stuff getting around at that time as well. Um, but everyone stood up. Like I said earlier in the when we started, like everyone was a nine out of ten. Matt Pryor, Matt Pryor, mate, he, he turned into a beast. He was the Dean Hallitown two thousand and five. He, he, he became the, the world's best front rower for that I final mean, series, he, mate. He works that hard at every part of his game. He's in the gym doing extras, yeah. out on the field, one of the fittest guys. Yeah, perfect teammate to have. Um, yeah, he was the Dean Hallitown of the Sharks that year. Yeah, so obviously. Week off, you pump the Cowboys. Yeah. You, into... Well, I think the Cowboys had that 100-minute game the week before against the Broncos. Yeah, they did. So we knew if we completed, um, played our style of footy, that we'll come over the top of them. We did that. I still but, remember the end of that game because everyone stayed. Everyone's hugging. Are we yeah. going to the GF boys? Yeah. yeah. yeah um, that was a good moment. That was, um, yeah, that was like the – the 05 when we played the Dragons, you know, like you're there, you know, you just have to, so you know you can see the finish line's one performance away from being um, grand final winners again. So, yeah, that, that's, in some ways, that's the better game to be a part of and win than the actual grand final. But um, we're there, but we had a lot of pressure going in that week. So, yeah. Um, 11 years Maloney on, but... was on fire too in that game. He yeah. Set it alight. I know, 11 years on. Like, you saw firsthand how hard it was to get back to another grand final. And, like, realistically, it's even harder to defend it. Like, you're probably thinking at this point that this might be your last grand final. Like, how'd you approach that kind of that week going in? Yeah, with nerves. Um, I remember that week took a long time. Um, but we had so many young kids. It was a different generation. Like, I remember going on the bus to the game. Bert, Jack Bird was sitting next to him. We used to chat, and he's on... Snapchat, taking photos of himself, selling <laughs> selfies. I'm like, mate, you're about to play the biggest game of your life. Like, I'm here nervous, 330 games in, nervous as hell, <laughs> sitting there, you know what I mean? Like, it's a different generation, but I'd grab some of that and sort of said, you know, what if he's, if he's not nervous, why am I nervous? It's, you know, know that the process, you know, of the whole year and know that you've done enough to be ready to perform. But I got nervous around not performing. Let me teammates down, let me myself down. But um, yeah, Birdie had this sort of relaxed feel, so I sort of grabbed a bit of that off him. Yeah, all right. Once you win, now two of your teammates have asked to ask you this question. Oh, no. Now, there's something you didn't do after the grand final that you still haven't done. Are you allowed to reveal what this is, or is this just for the vault? No, well, someone's let it out. I think, well, they I haven't know. told me. They asked me, I had to well, ask you. I said, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Now, um, that's probably for the vault. But I can tell you, if you like, I can let the vault out now I've retired. Can I? Yeah. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I can. I don't know how to explain it. Who was the player? There was two of them. One was a uh, reserve and one was uh, a half. So I said, Chad, 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 So back when we were going like busted the start of the year, I said I'd... Um, do something if we um, won the grand final and Jimmy Mulaney being Jimmy Mulaney just ran with it the whole time. Then we went on a 15-game winning streak. 
Um, and then we ended up winning, and I didn't go. I didn't come off the goods. I didn't get it done. So, so I'm guessing this is a nudie run or something. <laughs> yeah, something. Like <laughs> so that. is that the PG version? Yeah, that's the PG. The nudie runs a PG a bit, a bit more than that. But um, so will there ever be when you do your reunion in maybe five years when all the other boys are retired? Will there be an opportunity that you might? There might be a new looking person. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I'll have to interview you again in five years' time, yeah. I know. Uh, but that was just one of them things. It brought us all together and then, you know, oh, hang on a minute, look, we're actually a chance, but we're playing so bad at the start. I think we'll, you know, one from four or something. And then uh, me and Jimmy muck around a fair bit. I like hanging around Jimmy because he lightens the mood a bit. He's a funny sort of guy, so... Are you like pest brothers? Like, is, no, he's, how do you, a, he's a human pest. Yeah. You don't want to get in a pest war with him. You'll always win. Is he the worst you've ever seen? Worst I've ever seen. Worst than Gibson, Pro- in, Gibson and Fulton? On, on par. Wow. Very similar. Imagine the three of them together. You don't want to mess with Gibbs. I remember um, Robbie Farrah messing with Gibbs and Gibbs got Robbie Farrah's bag and threw it in the ice. <laughs> phone and everything and he just didn't care. But, you know, um, yeah. But you always meet them. They're good. You need them around the club as well. So, But I remember this how strange Jimmy Maloney was. He, a time in the gym, he couldn't have touched the black ground. So he'd, like Ninja Warrior, like go from the chin up bar. He couldn't touch the ground. So you could only go on the platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he was good for the club. He was perfect. Oh, definitely one of the comp. Now, next up, how the hell did you end up playing for England? Well... Um, I thought I was playing pretty good footy and didn't get a look in with Origin or anything like that. And then um, the England coach, Steve McNamara, kept um, getting in contact with me, travelled over. Mm. How do you qualify? With me. My dad's English. Okay. And then my dad really didn't, like, he would just take me to, like, as a kid, he would take me to the game, say, well done, even if I played bad. He never had an opinion on footy because he never played it as a kid. Okay. But that's what I needed. Like, so he would just be a dad who'd drive me everywhere, say, "Well done. What do you want to do now?" Um, but then I said, "Dad, what do you reckon about playing for him? He goes, "Hell yeah, you're, you're playing. Yeah, I reckon it's a great idea." Um, but he's never really, into that moment, stepped in and said something about. Yeah. Unless I asked, you know, like I'll go, oh, "Dad, what do you reckon you?" Just, yeah, you know, you know, you know, you'll make the right decision. Like, leave it up to me. But here he said, "Yeah, I reckon it's a good idea. I reckon." It's, yeah, let's do it. Like, I go, oh, okay. And then the only other time is when a few local clubs last year asked me to come play. He goes, no way, you're not, you're not playing footy anymore. You yeah, get yeah. out at the right time. You, yep. You're not going back and playing local league. So they were the only two moments where he sort of stepped in. And, mm. um, That's some valuable advice, but I yeah, reckon some yeah, good advice, mate. Yeah, thinking like. back, yeah, but, um, yeah, but it was good. Like, they were great people, great people, great staff. Um, I had a great time in the World Cup with um, Wayne Bennett. Mm. How, how is it playing in a World Cup final? That was good. That was a hard game. Because um, it was tough. What, 6-0 in the end? Yeah. But, um, yeah, Wayne, Wayne got us all going. He, he's a great coach, Wayne Bennett. Talked about getting in the zone. And um, when you think of zone, well, what's the zone? So you got we had to go away and try and find that game where you felt like no one could stop you. You're always breaking tackles. You're offloading. You're making your tackles. Mm. Um, you only play about eight to ten of them, say, a season. You've got to go and find that. And then, swear to God, when I come off the bench and got out on the field, everyone was in the zone. 
playing one of their best games. And we took them right to the wire there. I think we made one of the boys made a line break, line, line break and someone ankle tapped him right at the last minute. So, yeah. Yeah, it would have been nice to get that win, but yeah, it was awesome to be involved in. It was fast, up tempo game, and they got us in the end, but yeah, it was a great experience. Hi, what's the what's the anthem like? Do you sing both? Yeah, it's um, God Save Our. I think I used to sing it at primary school when I was a kid. Um, then what did you do? Did you sing the anthem for yeah, England and then sing the anthem yeah, for Australia? Um, it was probably a, that was probably the hardest part, you know, but for me, I know it's Australia, but. If you take it like you're taking an opportunity, you've met a great bunch of people. Um, I was just treating it like this is an opportunity to perform and play play against the highest level players, you know. So mm. to a degree, I was just put a jersey on and go and, go and show people what I can do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, let's finish off with a couple of rapid-fire ones. Now, back to kind of your surfing and your coaching. Outside your current crop, if you could coach one surfer in the world, who would it be? Maybe a male and a female, because both, both are yeah. so so competitive right now. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I'd have to go John John. Yeah. But he's coming off an ACL injury. Well, that's perfect, because you want to yeah. get him back. Yeah, and he looks, he looks amazing, um, the way he surfs. He does a lot of gymnastics stuff, so body weight sort of stuff. But, yeah, I'd love to train him um, in the Steph Gilmore, yeah, Megan. She's sort of just like real good style, flowy sort of surfer, and love her style. So plus for all her achievements, it'd be great to you know yeah. keep that winning streak yeah. happening. You know, yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of younger ones coming through with a bit more flair and they, a bit more air game. So yeah, um, that's going to be exciting for her surfing with all these Brazilians coming through her popping airs and. I've got a young girl, Molly Pickland, who trains in here, and she's the first ever female to do a backside Air 360. Yep. It's only 17. She did it at the Wave Pool at um, Texas. Um, so we've been doing a heap of air stuff, but she's one to watch out for coming through. She's only 17 from the Central Coast. Yeah. Have you, have you been out of Melbourne with the... Nah. A lot of my mates have, but I'm planning on going there. Yeah, it looks real good. Yeah, it looks really good. You yeah. know, when you were a bodyboarder, did you get any blues, like... Going in on people's what's the thing you go on people's waves the surfers want to fight you and stuff. Oh no, not really. Just laugh, but um, there is a fair bit. There's a bit of that around, but only when you go to the crowded places and the point breaks where everyone yeah. only breaks in that one spot, so everyone's really close to each other. People might get a little bit frustrated, but um, have you had any close calls in the water? I've done my medial not long ago. Um, out out um, a reef break. Um, where the power of the wave just blew me knee out. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it's a fair bit of force in waves, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one. But remember, it was like at the walk about a K to get to the spot, walking back and my wetsuit on, then going to the physio, and it felt exactly the same as when I did it playing footy. I remember going in and going, oh, I've got a grade two medial. And he goes, how do you know? I said, oh, no. And then he goes, oh, can you get an MRI? I said, oh, no, it's a grade... Got an MRI and it was a grade two medial. So wow. You start to work out and understand your body and yeah. when you're playing footy for so long, you know, you can understand what's... But that's what... One of the good things was when I was studying strength and conditioning, I reckon it bettered me game because I knew what to do. Mm. You know, I, I knew how to recover better. I was coming off the bench so for the Sharks, so I knew how to bring more of a power game than when I was at the Tigers. Yeah. 
It'd be a grindy 80 minutes. Plus, you get that half-time break, yeah. too. Yeah. So. See, with the Sharks, I was playing 40 minutes. I had to bring something for that 40 instead of just grinding out the 80. So, yeah. doing my studies on my strength and conditioning made me a better player, I reckon. For sure. All right, next one. Okay, we're going to either wrap people or dish some, dish some dirt out. Actually, before we get to that, do you have a favourite goal at U minor? Like, was there any, like, a grand final from the corner to win the game or anything like that? <laughs> nah, not really. We, we were at a good team as a young, young age, so we used to win by a fair bit. I think we made every grand final from nines to the 16s. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah, there's no real goal where I had to kick it to win or anything. I wish there was. Yeah. I could make one up. <laughs> Mate, before you tell me your favourite NRL try, I'll tell you my memory of you. I remember it was in 2013 and the Roosters came down to Shark Park. It was like a Monday night. And you go, I think we were about, what, fourth or fifth? They were first. They were flying. Sonny Bill was playing. I think first set of six, Toddy kicks a, a 40-20. We're mounting the points. It comes up to about 14-0. And then you pinch the ball from a winger and you're under the sticks. And everyone, I've never heard it explode so much in my life. Do you remember this try? Yeah, I took it off Sean Kenny down. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it was weird because I know he's a left-hand carry. He got the ball. And I seen the ball there and I just sort of S-gripped it, like a Cameron Smith tackle out, he tackles the ball. Yeah. And then just spun out. I had the ball in me and just took off. It was like one of them things. Whoa, how good is this? And then, mate, it was the quickest 10 metres you ever yeah. run. Like... Yeah. I was pretty fast over 10, but if it was any longer they would have caught me, but... Um, yeah, that was one of my better tries. Um, Any others in the memory bank? Um, I remember playing Penrith, and I got it off Robbie Farrer, and he sort of drew the markers, went in between the two A's. Yep. It was like a five-metre gap. Then I come up to Lachlan Coote and just took him to my left and come off my left foot real sharp and just stepped in clean and scored under the post at Campbelltown. I hope Sheensy put that on the replay on the, oh. on the Monday, mate. But then like, I felt so good, and then I, I watched the replay, and I, I felt like the step was like a Caelan Palmer or Benji Marshall at the time. Yeah. And then watching the replay, it was nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> but it did feel like it at the time. <laughs> All right, Hino, next one. This is where you can start giving some raps and dishing out. Who was your funniest teammate over your time? Probably Bowie Ryan. Okay. You guys were real close, eh? Hey? Yeah, pretty tight still. Uh, he's brushed me a bit, but nah. Well, he's a superstar, mate. Isn't he on, like, what's that, yeah, million-dollar race or whatever he's now on? Now he's on Dance with the Stars. Oh, God. Yeah, it's funny, but, um, yeah, he's like Vegemite. He's good in small doses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one, another rap. Who do you reckon your smartest teammate was? Um, it's not even on the field, like, maybe stuff, investing, anything they did off the field. Yeah, that okay. He was really good. He, um, I think he does a lot of... Who does his podcast and podcast. stuff now, yeah. He's got his little diary. He's really smart with structure and footy. I think him and James Maloney, back in 2016, would go and sit with Flano mm. and come up with a game plan together. Wow. And he was pretty young, like, you know. But that's just... But he's, I reckon he's got the right mixture of footy, off the field, and study. Like, he's yep. the best version of himself. Because um, I remember, man, when he, before he went to the Warriors, he, he was slow, he... I, I honestly, if I, in 2000, I think 12. Yep. If you said, would Chad Townsend play first grade, I'd say, would have said no. Really? Yeah. You come back from the Warriors and you know, different player. But he works hard. You know, he's a hard working person. So, And now look at him killing it. So. He had a great season last yeah, year. He was probably yeah, the Sharks' best. One of the Sharks' best, for sure. For sure. All right. Next one you've already answered. Who's the biggest pest? All right. Who, over the time, Okay, so Donnie Bradman question. 
So which one of your teammates you don't rate at all, but somehow he's got the most lovely wife, gorgeous wife. Was there anyone that really fits that, that mould? Where do I start? There's a few of them. Um, Matt Pryor. Matt Pryor. Really? <laughs> Matty Pryor? Yeah. Um, Paul Gallon. Oh, he's a huge one. Lovely lady. She does everything around the house, and he, he's never there. He's off boxing, and she's bringing up three kids, and she's fit herself. So <laughs> probably has to say Paul Gallon. <laughs> batting extremely overs. All right, next one. Who was the socialite? So the person that kind of organised the social activities. Who <clears throat> um, yeah, is that rain, mate? Yeah, that's crazy. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's all extreme at the moment, so either heat or too much rain. Probably Benji Marshall, the Tigers. He always got the group together for, you know, a team bonding session or movies or something. He was really good back when I was with the Tigers. Well, I guess if you walk in in the club behind Benji Marshall, yeah. you're getting in every time, yeah, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, next one. Back in the gym, who had the best rig, you reckon? Luke Lewis. Lukey, he does, actually. Yeah. He's fit. He's still fit. He loves it, yeah. But he used to, he used to, we used to all have to do squats, deadlifts, all his power work. Mm. He'd just go and do his beach weights. Oh, would he? Yeah. Because he's a winger. Yeah. Winger playing second row. He was an extremely good player. <laughs> but he loves just arm curls, chest, and push-ups and all that sort of stuff. I think he's still doing it now. <laughs> but, um, no, he was, he was another one I didn't mention earlier, but he was extremely good around the group as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Dish on someone. Who's had the worst rig that you've seen, mate? Jack Bird. Jackie Bird. Yeah. He eats terribly. But I think he's trying to get in a bit of shape there up at Brizzy, but um, nah, Mudguts, we used to call him. There was a couple of years ago. Remember when he first signed for Brisbane and they yeah. had a picture of the poor fella? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I advised him not to sign at Brisbane. Mate, they had Joel Thompson on yesterday. He actually gave himself it. Yeah, right. He just dished on himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably Jack Bird. But he could play. He could deliver when he had to. Well, that's it. Had one arm in that grand final, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He, um, it's funny. The trainer goes, you were right. You were right. He pushed him out of the way. Oh, Do I want that grand final ring or something like that? He said so. He's got to put it on Snapchat. That's why, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He probably loves it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but he, was a, he took a challenge to, I think he was up against Will Chambers. So. Yeah. Yeah, and probably got over the top of him. So. Oh, usually well, he's one of the best. Hopefully he a bit of his form. Yeah, because you don't want to see a talent bit. like him. Yeah. Last year he played well yeah, until he, he got injured. he played well before he got injured. So hopefully they find the right spot for him and he can fit into the team. But, yeah, he's a, he's a talented kid. He's just got to... Yeah, hopefully the Broncos can find a good position for him. Yeah, I agree. All right, final question, Hino. It's just my dinner party question. You've got five invites to a private dinner party. Now, the only rules, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who would Chris, alive. Who would Chris Huntington like to invite to dinner? Five people. Five, man. Muhammad Ali. Yep. Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Kelly Slater. Yep. Have you seen him, like, in the flesh? Have you met him before or anything? Um, Kelly Slater. Yeah. That was funny. Back in 2011, I went to Hawaii, and he was about to surf in his heat, and I got my phone out I just filmed him for about five minutes. <laughs> you stalker. Yeah, and I, I think back now, what was I actually thinking? <laughs> what ought to do that? But, um, he's phenomenal. But, and then the last one. Did you get to shake his hand or anything? 
No, I think he was in sort of like a... He was ready to compete, but, jeez, I felt... Now yeah, I was so embarrassed still. Um, so that's four, is it? Yep. One more, mate. Might invite you. Oh, thanks, Chris. There you go. Appreciate it, mate. Well, Hono, I really appreciate you joining on the show. Before I let you leave, everyone get following Chris. He's pretty active on his Instagram, Chris, Chris Huntington. Anything else before we uh, wrap things up there, Chris? No, all good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome chat, bud. And that, guys, was Chris Huntington. Definitely follow him on Instagram. He's got plenty of great content on there as well, whether in his strength and conditioning or just up for a few laughs. Hino's got plenty on his Insta, so definitely follow that up. All right, guys, next week on the show, Donnie Singe. So he's the head of performance out at the Manly Seagulls. So he's been Desi Hasler's right-hand man for, for over 20 years. got plenty of yarns. He's just a funny bloke in general. So some great, some great content coming up next week. Also recorded with Mark Gerard. As I did mention at the top of the show, I'll be trying to get some more content uh, lined up over the next couple of weeks. A few remote interviews, but some classic ones coming your way. If you like today's episode, definitely share it with your family and friends. Tag me on any posts on social media. You'll find me at Trist, uh, Tristan Nell on Instagram or Talking With TK across my Twitter or Facebook. Or definitely get in touch, www, sorry, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Whether you want to have a yarn about the footy or guest requests for future shows, definitely send me an email and I'll get back to you ASAP or just direct message me on my social media. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Stay safe. I'm Tristan Cannell and this was Talking With TK.